0: I'm Jet Dunlap, and this is episode 72 of Psychotherapy. What is today's episode about, you ask? Well, you don't really ask, but today's episode is about dealing with now. And you're thinking, what do you mean, Jet? This pre-apocalyptic world, it's collapsing around us, and all of us are going to die? No, uh, th- you know, i we don't really believe that's happening. It's an unprecedented situation for us, the living right now. But I'm talking about the you and the now that exists inside of you. So what's going on for real in your life, not what's going on in the world of social media and the news that's trying to make you something, because that's how they profit. And I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here, uh, which I'd never do. I wouldn't beat a live or dead horse, but. You can't fall victim to how corporations make their money, which is in advertising. And every time you click on them, they're benefiting from that. That's not a conspiracy theory. I used to work for those companies. Being informed is one thing. And I don't want to go into this because you already have all this information. You know where to go for the CDC. Uh, when I'm doing this episode, it's you know March 21st. I mentioned that again later. But just for the people who are like, what are you talking about in the future when they use my, uh, my show for a... Uh, for the foundation of existence, of course. No ego. You guys understand that's going to happen. It's a fact. (laughs) But uh, I'm trying to get you to ground yourself. Stand where you are. Look around. What is going on with you right now? And are you okay? (sighs) Take a deep breath and look at everything you have. Maybe you haven't in a long time. And this is an incredible opportunity for you to do so. And if that bothers you, If you think I'm being irresponsible by not being afraid, don't listen. You have a right to be scared, and you have a right to spread fear, but you also have a right to not be afraid, and you have a bigger, well, I guess it's not bigger, but I'd like to believe it is, right to keep other people from being afraid. And you could be a lighthouse of reason during this fog of fear. Wouldn't that be incredible? So I charge you with that be the lighthouse. I'm Jet Dunlap, this is Psychotherapy, and episode 72 starts right now. We are in a interesting moment in time, and that was my Shatner. (laughs) Ugh. In the other episodes, I was careful in saying that the numbers would go up and things would change, and I was aware of that. And uh, many people this week, and very recently in text message, but a lot this last week, I had people trying to get me to change my mind. What do they want to change my mind about? And this is important to just jump right into. Uh, The folks that I know right now, some of them, not all of them, but uh, an unusual majority are upset at me, people who care about me, because I am not scared, because I'm not afraid, because I am not panicking. Since I talked to you guys last, I went off Facebook, and I told you on the last episode, 71, didn't I use initials too much in 71, like J-L-A-R-T-N, I'm sure it got confusing, but I just don't like to reveal completely the people I'm talking about because I want to respect their privacy, although I'm sure none of them would be offended. That wasn't what the show was about. I talked about how social media was causing this anxiety, collective anxiety, in the sense that we live in a time right now where if you want to find any of your fears, your greatest fears at this moment, at this moment, it's your greatest fears, not just what GMO products are going to do to you, or if you're not vegan, how you're going to die, or theoretical stuff. This is much more at our door. So people are able to find things that scare them personally. Then they are able to spread it to people who weren't thinking about that, but now are. Then they're able to take those things, the person who's now read that information, and take it to their family. And then their family is able to concoct new things. And then someone writes a new thing. And that just snowballs. I am not going to do a show about telling you where to get the facts. You know, CDC. That's where the facts are. I don't need to tell you how to be safe. At this point, on March 21st, 2020, you know how to be safe. Let me tell you what I am telling you. A long conversation with a friend of mine this week, and he said he would continue to tell me that I was being irresponsible by not being worried. And then he would say that, that he and I were in a disagreement, that he and I were uh, having an argument. And I kept explaining that, no, I'm not having an argument with him. He thinks it's very severe. He thinks that uh, it's an unbelievable thing that's going to come to his door. And uh, he's very nervous. And that's fine. I told him, because he really wants to know, when he asked me if I was scared, I said, I'm not. I'm not scared a little. And the reason for that, as my longtime listeners know, is that I've gone through much in my life. And uh, I've had, you know, moments where my brain was not reliable. Three years ago today, I was in the hospital for uh, a mysterious illness that came in the form of delirium. And it started in January, started to lose time. February, I was a little confused, a little more confused. Went to the hospital. They sent me home. March, it became uh, enormous. I didn't know where I was, who I was. And I was terrified because my brain was slipping away from me. And I only tell you that to tell you this. I've had to deal with an internal implosion of the process that tells me what everything is. And that was absolutely terrifying. And when I came out of that, I had to recreate the person I am today. It took me a year before I could speak to the level that I do now. Why I mention that? It gave me an incredible baseline for fear. And when I came to be the person I originally was without a lot of the bad aspects of it or negative aspects of that, or to go back to last episode, egoic aspects of it, I decided I would not worry and I wouldn't be afraid. Now, it has been much easier for me to not be afraid of things. Worry is a little tougher. Um, My worry manifests in the sense of, am I doing enough today? Have I accomplished enough? That's my worry. Pandemics, um, diseases, those are not things that are at my door. And the reason for that is that if I look outside my property right now, I see people playing at the park. I see leaves of green, red roses too, I see them blue. I probably could have gone a little less long on that, but uh, it was a great song. <laughs> and I can do an impression of it. There are beautiful things. Um, we had a break in the weather. It was kind of tough on me when it was raining because I had to stay inside and my gym is closed now over a week, but I adapt and I change the occasion, and I do not react to what is not in front of me. And there are beautiful things. When my wife and I took our dog for a walk today, there were so many more people outside, and they were smiley. And I think some folks have been forced to realize what they have. And moments like this can be extremely good in the long term for the creation of a generation that will know something that is truly scary as opposed to obsessing over minor things because that's all they have to do. In this Unbelievable quote unquote economy that we we're having three weeks ago. <laughs> it's hard to believe that everything's changed that fast. It's not hard for me to believe, but I'm sure it is for most people. I was confused. I was confused during the up economy. I was confused with everyone saying everything's great. Houses are worth a million times more than they used to be. We're on easy street. One of the lines I would get from people all the time when I said this will change, I don't know what the catalyst will be but something will change. And this is in hindsight. You guys can listen to any 20 of my episodes where I said this, quote unquote, perfect economy, wonderful world was uh, an illusion because it's based on something that was not sustainable. Um, And this is not a I told you so episode, but I was confused during that period. Not upset, but confused because it was going a lot longer than I thought. When something like this happens and the benefit of it, and I've had this internally with whether or not when I was in my early 20s, and my doctors thought I had cancer. And then again, in my late 20s, when they thought I had leukemia, another form of cancer. uh, And then when I lost my mind, I've had, let's call them opportunities, even though they seem pretty tough. I had to face some of the greatest fears in the world. And I want to specify that uh, there are people out there who've had to face that in a much more extreme way. And I'm not trying to take away from their narrative, because I didn't have any of those things I lucked out. Um, And I realize how lucky I am. So that was a side note. My point is, is that during this period, you are forced to confront yourself. I've recommended meditation before. I've recommended exercise before. And it was really easy to ignore because you could go home and get a double-double animal style from uh, in and out uh, and not a sponsor. And you felt better. A little spike in the old dopamine and the pleasure center, right? You could go and escape by having a beer with your friends. All those things were taken away. So now you are with yourself, and in a lot of cases, your spouse or your children, and you have to face reality. But guess what? That is an incredible opportunity to figure out what that is. When I left my job 10 years ago, I had to figure out who my wife was and who I was. And we just celebrated 16 years together. And uh, don't do the math. I mean, six years because I'm 30. But we've been together for a long time. And I would never have gotten to know how incredible she was if I hadn't left my day job and been forced into a situation that made me explore our relationship. A lot of times, you know, people are forced into greatness or even forced into goodness. And the most important thing I can educate you folks with is that what is going on in your life right now should be the focus. Look around your room. If you hear this right now, you are alive. You want to find things that make it terrifying. My father was talking to me about how someone at his company in the UK's family member died from this, and he wanted to associate that to himself. And I can't blame him. I mean, that's a desire humans have as creatures, but a person who lives 5,000 miles away in a country of 66 million where only 170 have died. That is a little bleep in the radar. His answer to me was, well, it's not for the family. And uh, he thought he had me in checkmate. It's not for the family. Just like my grandfather dying was significant for me, and my friends dying was significant for me, but not for others. I'm not offended that others did not find it significant. (laughs) Because that's their personal life, right? So this person that my dad was choosing to identify with to make an argument for the reasons for him to be more uh, scared of this I shouldn't say scared, but uh, concerned about this. They're not real. Now, a lot of people can come back and through the guise of tomorrow say, Jet, you're unreasonable, you're ridiculous. Look at all the people dying. And I'm not the person to say, people die all the time. Look at all these other statistics. You know, a person dies in, uh, people die in an airplane crash and that's more people than have died in California yet. It's not for me to say that kind of stuff. What I am saying is look at the reality and then take precaution. I believe I said in the last episode that when someone wants me to be scared, and there's a group of them right now who almost have the exact same verbiage, three people, two of which I found out from others, and then one of them directly to me said, we are concerned that you aren't more afraid. I want you to hear that again. They're concerned that I'm not more afraid. They're not concerned that I'm going to be affected. Their concern is that I'm not afraid. Don't you see the problem in that? My fear does not make me more ready. I am ready. Gina and I live in a lifestyle where we are constantly ready. We have all the food we could ever need. We live in a, you know, a large piece of property and uh, we're set. We have a giant (laughs) water tank in our tiny home, all that stuff. You're not worried, so I'm not going to go into it, but we're prepared. So being prepared eliminates worry for me, right? I worry a lot less about my cardiovascular health or any of the other associative diseases that would go with someone that's out of shape. Why? Because I'm in shape. So I'm not going to worry about something that the worry does not help. And let me tell you when worry is appropriate. Never. (laughs) Because worry is a precursor to a solution if you're forced, right? So worry is not a solution. If it does come to your door and a situation does come into your life where you are affected by this virus in particular, right? You know what you have to do. And I'm not going to tell you what to do because you already know. People are staying home. And then if it comes, worse comes to worse, you go to the hospital. Those are all things that you do in the order that they come. The worry actually hurts you, right? Because what you're doing is you're creating stressors in your body. And those stressors weaken your immune system. And now someone is listening and they go, oh, great, Jet. So I'm worried and now I'm weaker. So now I'm even more worried. No, (laughs) I mean, sure, but you don't have to be worried. That's a beauty. How do you get unworried? Well, I'm going to tell you again told you many times, but I'll tell you again, especially for you first time listeners. Thank you. Unplug. Unplug. All the folks that I know who were going to CNN, and then all the other news reports on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Apple News, all that stuff. It was only a matter of time before they started going to prepper websites, right? And really starting to lose it. And why did that happen? Because you start going down the rabbit hole and you start seeing, oh my gosh, what else do I not know? what else should I be afraid of? What else am I missing? And what does that do? I talked about ego in the last one. What is your ego's motive? It is afraid of impermanence. So self-destruction. So it's imperative is to make sure that it's not self-destructed. So it'll throw anything it can at you to make you afraid. And then your anxiety and your chemicals go out of whack and you're terrified of something. And then that terror begets terror. And then you want to find other people who are also terrified. Because what happens when you run into someone like me and I'm not afraid? I throw that theory of yours in your face just by not being afraid. Now, I'm not being mean about it. I'm just not afraid. And that offends the people who are. Because it's counter to what they believe. But both of us are in the same situation. I'm not going to speak to how prepared they are, how prepared I am. But let's say all things being equal. I'm not afraid they are. My wife's not afraid either. We are living our life. But even more than that, let's switch gears. What have I done with what I see as an opportunity? Am I dismissing the fact that it's hurting people's families? Am I dismissing the fact that it has a huge impact on mental health and that in some cases, the country will never be the same? Absolutely not, I'm not minimizing that. I'm telling you what to do now. Like I've used the analogy before when you're in a plane and there's a malfunction, they take the oxygen mask and it comes down. They tell you to put it on yourself first before you put it on the other person because you need to be okay before you can make sure the other person's okay. So what have I been doing for myself? I've written more than I ever have. I finished another screenplay, my second now in four months feature, 120 pages. I've done 34 pages of a new screenplay. I've done 16 pages of a screenplay I came up with yesterday that I had a dream of, And by the end of the night, I had 16 pages of something that didn't exist before. Every single day, my wife and I have gone on walks. I'm going back to school for something I'll tell you guys about later. I have decided to channel this energy and turn this into an opportunity so that when I come out of it, the person I am will be so much more full and I'll be able to say, wow, that period was amazing for me. Because have you noticed something, folks? Have you noticed since 2016, and you know I don't go political, but let's use that for an example. In the United States? That people are different. (laughs) Has that never been more polarizing? You can talk to someone you've known forever and their opinion about the president or the administration goes so much against what you believe or vice versa. You're a person who believes the president's doing everything right and the people you talk to don't. Have you ever seen a bigger example of how we live in our own reality? And how if you stay on social media and you know, just look on the stuff you want to look at and read the books you want to read and go down the rabbit hole of uh, imright.com, that you can live in a completely separate reality than others. So if we're in that own reality, if we all are pretty isolated to begin with, which is not being talked about right now, I mean, the only reason everyone can work from home is because that's available, because Skype and all this technology exists. If this happened 15 years ago, this wouldn't be possible. So I guess that's good. Well, not if you don't want to work, (laughs) not if you don't want to go to school. But my point is, we all live in our own reality. And if that's the truth, and you could look at someone on Fox News, or if you're on the other side in CNN, and say, how do they believe that? Are they crazy? It's because they live in their own reality. So if you live in your own reality, then why not make your reality better? If we're all in our separate realities, meaning that we're on different wavelengths. And that's where it really comes down to when you have someone who the political charge between the two of you is so palpable. You're in different energy levels, you're on different frequency levels, just like one radio station is different from another radio station. They don't all bleed together. They have some leak over in those old uh, radios where you had to turn them by knob. From what I heard, of course, I don't know what that is because I'm a child, but uh, from what I understand, but they're still separate signals. You guys are in separate signals. So if you're able to control that signal to a certain extent, why not turn it into a positive one? So that when you look back at this situation, and by not calling it a catastrophe, am I a bad guy? That's for you to decide, not for me to decide. But by loving my wife, making sure that she feels okay, and she's not scared, and she's not nervous, and neither am I. Unplugging from the news, because that doesn't help me. Is that bad? Should I be scared? Does that make you feel better? If this episode was about me telling you to bury all of your gold like a squirrel that has gold, if I was telling you guys the end is near, we're all in for it, Notre Dame has predicted this, we're all going to die, the zombie apocalypse is upon us, there is no God, head for the hills, light yourself on fire and run, would that be helpful? I made a choice. And for me, it was easy because I've done thousands and thousands of hours of work on myself to be this person. Is it better than another person? Of course not. Is it better for my psyche? Oh, yeah. Is it better for the psyche of others? This is something I talk about a lot recently, where I say, you can be a beacon of good or you can be a beacon of fear. Is it better that I am not scared for other people? Yes. Better and worse, a little difficult to determine in an absolute way, but does it do better for people's psyche? Yes. So if it does better for people's psyche, then why shouldn't all of us do it if we can? All of us who have that availability. If you're a mother or a father or a friend or a caretaker or the people on the other side of that, wouldn't that opportunity we have right now to feel okay be something that could be of a benefit to the world? Do you think social media actually helps you? These are just questions, guys, and it's not something I actually wanted to talk about today, but to ignore it would be irresponsible of me. You're smart, and your brain wants to know a lot because your brain is fueled by solving problems. That's what a brain is. It's a problem solver. You will not figure this disease out. There are people who are doing that, who are paid to do that. There are people who do that because it's their life's calling, and you have to let them do it. And you don't have to let them do it. Either way, they're going to do it. But you're not going to change the outcome by your level of fear. So I say, go for walks. You don't have to write the great American novel. If you just want to hang out and binge on, uh, on streaming, do that. You haven't had an opportunity yet because you're working so much. Maybe you want to use it to get to know your kids, your spouse better. Anything learn an instrument. I've said this before, it's almost like Groundhog's Day, right? We have this amazing little Groundhog's Day where every day we have an opportunity to do something that for most of us, we didn't have an opportunity to do before. Isn't that amazing? I say jump on it and take advantage of it. Because you don't know when this will be over and you don't know when it'll happen again. And wouldn't it be amazing, not only for you, but for the people around you to see that you have made this productive And I'll tell you in my own personal experience, for all the people who want me to be scared, there are so many more people who are like, wow, Jet, you're writing in your journal a lot. Wow, Jet, you've written all these screenplays. Wow, you're going back to school to be able to help people even more. I'm not doing it for praise. But when they ask me what I'm up to, I tell them. I wasn't happy the gym was closed. I used the gym for mental sanity. Or not sanity, but to help my mental state by releasing those endorphins when it was raining all the time, it was Gina and I couldn't work out outside. That was difficult, but I didn't let it crush me, so I wrote a lot, and I did push-ups inside my house. And then the minute it wasn't raining and I could put a canopy out, I started doing little workouts outside. Was it ideal? Who's for me to say? And the last thing I'll say about this, some of you are religious, whether you're agnostic or atheist, doesn't matter. People can look at this as something that happened for a reason or not. But either way, what can you do in your own life, in your own reality, that makes this something good. And if you can do that and start on something you would have never had an opportunity to start on before because you would have never had this time, that does not only do you good, but it does good for the people around you. Why not do that? The world needs sane people who are spreading sanity and joy. That's all I have for you guys today. Thank you so much. Be well out there. We'll talk to you soon. I'm Jet Dunlap for Psychotherapy. Talk to you next time.